On episode 619 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Dr. Michael Greger and discuss his book, How Not to Age, the scientific approach to getting healthier as you get older. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 619. Have you decided you're ready to make a change to reclaim your health and fitness? The 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. Each week, we dive deep into health and fitness topics that affect those of us over 40. I'm Coach Allen. I'm an NASM certified personal trainer with specializations in corrective exercise, behavior change, performance enhancement, and fitness nutrition. A Precision Nutrition Level 1 coach, a FAI certified functional aging specialist, and an OTA Level 2 online trainer. Each week, I'm joined by our co-host, Coach Rachel. She is an NASM certified personal trainer and a RRCA level one run coach. Let us be your coaches as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. Hi there, I'm Coach Allen. If you're over 40 and struggling to shed those extra pounds, I'm here to tell you that there's a better way, a path to lasting weight loss and a healthier you. I understand where you are all too well. You've tried countless diets and exercise programs that promise quick fixes, only to be disappointed and left feeling defeated. It's frustrating, and at times, you probably feel a little hopeless. Even when you manage to lose some weight, It comes right back when you can't stick to the strict diet or intense workouts. I'm here to offer you something different, something that actually works. It's not a fad diet or a miracle pill. It's not a cookie cutter workout program. It's a transformative journey toward a healthier, happier you. Imagine yourself 15, 30, or even 65 pounds lighter, full of energy and living life to the fullest. Does that sound like the journey you'd like to take? Well, I'm here to guide you every step of the way. I'm currently holding open enrollment for what I can best describe as a weight loss experience. You'll work directly with me to build a plan that's right for you. And I guarantee that you'll lose all the weight you want and build a lifestyle that will help you keep it off. But time is of the essence. The enrollment period for this life-changing weight loss coaching program ends on December 31st. I'm also limiting it to 20 participants. With what it will take for me to do this with you, I don't foresee another open enrollment for quite some time. Don't let another year slip away. I want you to take action right now. If you're ready to invest in yourself, to break free from the cycle of failed attempts, and to finally achieve the results you've been longing for, email me, coach at 40plusfitness.com. Remember, you don't have to face this challenge alone. With the right guidance, support, and accountability, your weight loss goals can become reality. Email me today, coach at 40plusfitness.com, and let's make 2024 the year you lose the weight and transform your life. Hey, Raz, how are you? Good, Alan. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I um I posted on my Facebook the other day. It was kind of a it was kind of a joke, but not really a joke. And it was <laughs> it was a principle of, of of nobody nobody starts a diet in November. Right. <laughs> this is a terrible time to start, Alan. It's, yeah. Who's gonna start in the middle of November? <laughs> right. And then six weeks later, 
is a yeah. much better time to start. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And, and and I got a good I got some good feedback and some some good, good. laughs from folks good. on that because they recognize it's like we mm-hmm. we do these little logic things in our head that really when you just if you just took a step back and says, Is is that how I would do it? It's mm-hmm. like, no, it's like, well, the check engine light came on in my car, but I really just want to wait till January 1st to take a look at that. Uh-huh. That's not how we would approach it. So it was, it was just kind right. of one of those things. That, and I'm going to probably be posting a lot of those. So if we're not friends cool. on Facebook, you know, come check me out. You can go to the Facebook group at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash group. But I also have friend people on my Facebook. So, you know, cool. I post some things there. I post some things to the group. So if you're interested and want to have a little bit of fun, check both of those out. Cool. That sounds fun. So what are you up to? <laughs> Actually, funny you should say that. I'm kind of planning my New Year's goals. <laughs> I got to wrap up this year. Start, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, actually at the end of the year, I do like to have something to do between Thanksgiving and New Year's. It's the busiest time of year and this is no different. I'm doing tons of things. I I can't even, I got lists for my list, <laughs> but, but I always like to have some sort of an activity between Thanksgiving and New Year's. And this last year from 2022, I had a run streak. So we did a one mile minimum streak between Thanksgiving and New Year's. It was, I can't remember, 38, 37 days, however many days it was. And I'm trying to figure out what I want to do this year. And the reason why I like to start at the end of the year, just like in your post, is that I need the distraction because holidays are stressful, they're busy, and sometimes we get so focused on all of the other things that we don't have time to take care of ourselves. So having some sort of a movement goal reminds us that we need to take time for self-care, we need to take time to exercise and and do the things that are good for us. So I don't know what I'm going to do yet for the end of this year or for my new year goals for next year, but I've got something planned, I'm figuring something out. Yeah, well I I break it all down month by month. And so, mm-hmm. you know, December's no different for me than any other month of the year, January, February, whatever. It's still, it's mm-hmm. the month. And so what I do is before the month starts, so I've looked at what I want to do for the year. And uh-huh. then as I get into the month, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do this month to move myself in that direction? It doesn't have to be a Perfect. huge move. It's just what, right. what is it? And so mm-hmm. I have all of those. And it goes across personal, professional, you know, health, fitness, Lula's, you know, my other, my online business and stuff. And so Mm -hmm. I'll have all of these things that I want to accomplish. Some of them are relatively mundane. Like I really do need to write a statement of uh, policy or a statement of position for Lula's on a lot of how things are done, basically. So, you know, basically how things work. And so Mm -hmm. someone else can do it if I'm not doing it, because right now I'm the only one that knows how to do most of the back office stuff. And so, you know, it is what it is. I need to write that down. I need to publish it in some way that someone could follow me if, you know, if I don't want to do it anymore or I can't do it anymore. So some of that is that simple is like, I just need to start writing these things. And then as I get into the month, it's like, okay, what do I want to write this month? Which policy, what, you know, what, what's my movement goal? What is, you know, what are the other goals that I have in my life? And, and then I, each morning I wake up and I go through a, a thing and there's a lot of affirmations and gr- gratitude and all that. And then the goals and they pop up. And because I know what my monthly goals are, I can then go into my to-do list today and say, okay, what on this to-do list actually does those things mm-hmm. and what does not. Mm, that's and important. so a lot of times I'll have a list of all my to-dos mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and they're dated and they're in order of, mm-hmm. of importance or time of the day that I need to get them done. Because there's some things I do each day that I need to do in the morning and some things I can do later. But I'll take a task and I'll say, you know, that's not really an important task right now. And I'll put it over onto the parked list and it just sits Perfect. over there. And about once a month, I go through the parked list and delete a lot of those because again, <laughs> it just wasn't, mo- it wasn't mm-hmm. really built that goal, whatever. It wasn't really something that's going to move me. The to-do was not mm-hmm. going to move the needle for me. And I, you know, it sounded cool. It was, you know, it was a shiny object of, Hey, you know, I should buy those new shoes. And then, you know, I get a month away and, you know, I look at back and I'm like, okay, well, why did I want those shoes? And are they really <laughs> going to move me forward? Mm-hmm. And, oh, they're not going to last here in Panama. That's, <laughs> that's oh, a stupid purchase. Yeah. And then they're gone. I, you know, I, I, I might park them and say, no, you know, I know I'm going to be doing a little bit more mileage next month or the month after. And mm-hmm. so maybe I do want the shoes for that. Uh, but a lot of times, yeah, they just get they just get written off because it really wasn't something that was going to move the needle. So if you find yourself overwhelmed, mm-hmm. break things down, figure out what your big rocks are, what the th- important things are, and mm-hmm. that becomes my monthly thing. That's great. And I have an annual thing and then a monthly thing. And then literally mm-hmm. every morning I wake up and say, okay, what am I doing today that does one of these things? I love that. And sometimes they don't. You know, I had an intention of writing an article to advertise and you know with everything that's going on here okay what's what's the sense of telling people what the best beaches are in Bocas if you know we don't have the guests coming into the country the way that they would or could so mm-hmm. i'm not writing that article cuz i'm not going to put the time in to write something that isn't going to move the needle for the business or do what sure. it needs to do so it's not valid anymore i'm moving it over into the parked items Mm-hmm. I'll re reevaluate it in December or you know January, and mm-hmm. maybe I write it then. But sure. I'm not writing it right now. Perfect. That sounds like a good plan. Yeah. So if you find yourself a little overwhelmed with the change that you want, the things that you want, you just start with the big thing. Okay, I want. I I know I need to lose you know two inches off my waist. Okay. Well, you're not going to lose two inches off your waist today. Right. <laughs> okay. Or yeah. maybe even this month. Mm-hmm. But what can you do consistently this month that's going to help you do that? And then each day you do that thing. Perfect. And so it's really a trickle down of of breaking your bigger rocks into the bite-sized pieces to keep it workable. Yeah. And then, you know, you wake up in the morning, you look at what you got to do that day. Is it on my calendar? Yes. My movement is on my calendar. Yes. Getting this done is on my calendar. And then I go do it. And if I don't have the time in the day to do it, I have to prioritize and push Mm -hmm. some of it to tomorrow or park some of it because, again, it just isn't going to do enough for it to be worth what everything else on my list is doing. For sure. You can only do so much. (laughs) All right. Well, you ready to have a conversation with Dr. Gregor? Sure. All right. Our guest today is a physician, New York Times bestselling author, and internationally recognized speaker on nutrition food safety, and public health issues. He has lectured at the Conference on World Affairs, testified before Congress, and was invited to be an expert witness in the defense of Oprah Winfrey in the famous meat defamation trial. In 2017, he was honored with the ACLM Lifestyle Medicine Trailblazer Award. He is a graduate of Cornell University School of Agriculture and Tufts University School of Medicine. His first book, How Not to Die, became an instant New York Times bestseller. 
He has videos on more than 2,000 health topics freely available on nutritionfacts.org with new videos and articles uploaded every day. All proceeds he receives from his books, DVDs, and speaking engagements are donated to charity. With no further ado, here's Dr. Michael Greger. Dr. Greger, welcome back to 40 Plus Fitness. Thank you so much. Glad to be back. You know, I have, I've watched your videos over the years, and I'm just fascinated with how you can teach so much information in a three to five minute video. And then here you come out with this book and quite frankly called How Not to Age, The Scientific Approach to Getting Healthier as You Get Older. And I'm just going to call it right here. This is the most comprehensive health book I have ever read in my entire life. And I doubt anyone's ever even going to come close to matching the depth of what you put into a single book. <laughs> Some would argue it might be a few books, but given the length of it, but this is really, really good stuff. If if you love understanding health and understanding how our body works, Dr. Gregor here, he's your friend. He's done the work, he's done the research, and he's put it together in depth. And it's it's all there. It's, it's from my perspective, again, because you <laughs> the the end notes are there, but you have to go to a separate website to follow them through because otherwise the book would be twice the length that it is because I believe there were like over 8,000 end notes and you probably referenced no less than maybe 300 or 400 videos along the way <laughs> that could go deeper. But this creates a lot of rabbit holes, particularly for those that love the science of health and fitness. So I'm going to say it was it was not a hard read. But it was a read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh, for all the longevity nerds out there. There is uh, there's there's meat on them bones. And beyond the meat, there's actionable things you can do today to improve your health going forward. And so I, I love that because I'm all about action. And so let's dive in a little bit because again, there's so much I, you know, again. I can read a book, a standard, a standard health and fitness book these days is about 250 pages. And I can read that in about six hours. And then usually it's because I know most of what they're going to say because they, they're saying the same things that everybody else says. Your book is nearly three times that length. <laughs> and you're not saying what everybody else is saying. You're going in and saying, well, this is what they looked at. And this is how you can apply it. And so you do a lot of that. So I want to I want to get as much of that in as I can in the limited amount of time we have, because uh, I think I could actually probably talk to you for about three straight days without sleeping, and we could probably still not cover everything that was there. It was, like I said, you've won. You just, it's the, the game is over. The competition's <laughs> over. Uh, oh, this is, this is, yeah, for what brutal. we know right now, based on the science that's been done today, this is the most comprehensive book you can buy. Okay. So I, you talked in the beginning of the book, you brought up the, I think there's 11 pathways of aging. And I want to dive into a few of them because I think sometimes there's a little bit of confusion when we start talking about certain things. So the first one that I want to get into is the AMPK. Yeah. Okay. And where people people may not have heard of that before, but they've they've probably heard of autophagy. Yeah. Yeah. And how we can use fasting as a mechanism for reversing aging, improving our health. Can we talk a little bit about how that process works just a little bit and then how how we can get into autophagy because I think there's multiple there's multiple mechanisms you brought up in the book but I think there's some misconnection of oh well I can just do 
intermittent fasting and I'm into autophagy mm, and I'm yeah. doing great. Oh. Okay, again, there's some there's some yeah. misconceptions yeah. out there because yeah, it's sold. It's yeah. sold. If you do intermittent fasting, you're getting autophagy. Right. If you're getting autophagy, uh-huh. you're slowing your aging. And so uh-huh. can we just kind of dive into that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Autophagy is the kind of primary system for cleaning the body from the inside out, clearing out the cellular debris that may be contributing to aging. Some food components uh, can suppress autophagy, like acrylamide, which is a compound uh, concentrated in French fries and potato chips, whereas others like spermidine and the antioxidants in coffee can actually help uh, your cells kind of take out the trash. So to boost this anti-aging pathway, I encourage readers to consider on a daily basis 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous aerobic activity. Unfortunately, 20 minutes does not quite uh, is not enough. I mean, is 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 wonderful for health, but not enough to boost autophagy. Similarly, fasting. See, the the issue with fasting is fasting autophagy doesn't optimally ramp up to like 48 to 72 hours of fasting, which is really too long to go unsupervised. That's not just kind of legalistic mumbo-jumbo. Our bodies uh, go into kind of sodium conservation mode when we fast. But should that response break down um, and and we continue to lose sodium, the symptoms we might experience are, you know, like fatigue, dizziness, something that can be dismissed until it's too late. So that's why, you know, prolonged fasts should really be only done under kind of medical supervision, but they actually kind of test your electrolytes and make sure your body's doing what it's supposed to be doing. And so the studies suggesting that, oh, 12 hours of fasting can boost autophagy. Yeah, in mice, that's because mice's metabolism is so much higher. A few days of fasting can actually kill a mouse. They, uh, I mean, they can, they can, you know, lose like 40% of their body mass after a day or two of fasting. And so, uh, but unfortunately, yeah, in humans, it takes a little longer. But again, we don't have to walk around starving all the time. We can, you know, 60 minutes of aerobic exercise, minimizing our intake of French fries and potato chips trying to get about uh, at least 20 milligrams of spermidine and by incorporating spermidine-rich foods in our diet. So that's tempeh, which is a fermented uh, soy whole soy product, but any mushroom will do, peas and wheat germ. So uh, adding wheat germ to my diet was something new after this book because I wanted to get the spermidine to boost autophagy. And also drinking three cups of coffee a day, either regular or decaf, can boost autophagy thanks to the lordgenic acids. Yeah. Well, you, you've definitely got me to thinking, and I'm going to reestablish my uh, big-ass salad big-ass salad every day. Excellent. And yes, I, I, we're, we're having some difficulties with delivery where I am right now, so it'll be a little while before I get the wheat germ, but that'll be something. Okay. I'll probably sprinkle a bit of that on my salad right. just to go along. But yeah, big-ass salad's coming. <laughs> okay. The next one I want to get into, because we there's a lot of talk about this, which there should be, because I think this is probably the biggest problem we have as a people, is inflammation. Hmm. How does inflammation lead to aging? Yeah, you know, aging can actually be thought of as kind of a, a part of a, an inflammatory disease, in part. A single measurement, inflammatory markers like CRP, C-reactive protein, or IL-6, interleukin-6, can predict both physical and cognitive performance as well as remaining lifespan in elderly individuals. Thankfully, excess inflammation can be kind of extinguished through changes in diet. 
There's something called Dietary Inflammatory Index, which ranks each food in terms of how pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory it is. And those eating lower on that Dietary Inflammatory Index, meaning less inflammatory diets, are more likely to age successfully, which is defined as living independently with no major chronic disease, no depression, no pain, and with good overall self-perceived social, physical, and mental health. So to help slow this aging pathway, I can encourage people to consider on a daily basis reducing both dietary and endogenous exposure to something called uh, to these inflammatory advanced glycation end products. We can do that. That's a whole nother aging pathway, but basically we restrict ourselves to low glycemic lead foods so we don't have high blood sugars and make it make these AGs endogenously. And we reduce our intake of AGs, which are found most concentrated in kind of high protein foods exposed to high dry heat. So rather than grilling or barbecuing or frying or baking meat, we would like steaming, stewing, soups, that kind of thing would produce fewer of these inflammatory AGs. Also, we reduce senescent cell inflammation. That's another whole anti-aging pathway. These so-called zombie cells spewing inflammation as we get older. We can clear those out. I have a whole chapter on that. Boosting autophagy actually helps clearing out some of that inflammatory cellular debris. And you know what? One of the most interesting things in that chapter I ran into is applying an emollient skin lotion. So actually our skin layer, we actually have a breakdown in our skin barrier as we get older, and that can increase systemic inflammation in our body. And they found that, you know, rubbing hairless mice with Vaseline actually cut down on inflammation. So they gave it a try with people, randomized people, to try just every day applying a little uh, full body emollient skin lotion and actually saw a decrease in inflammation, which was so shocking. It's like, well, that's easy to do. So that's something I've incorporated into my diet. I not in my diet, God, into my <laughs> daily yeah, routine. Don't, don't don't eat hand lotion. You though. know, what <laughs> Gregor said I should be eating this. No, no, no. And no. then and then you know, avoiding the pro-inflammatory foods, the pro-inflammatory foods, and uh, and increasing the intake of the anti-inflammatory foods. So for the pro-inflammatory food components, saturated fat, endotoxins, what's called new five GC, sodium. So actually, salt is pro-inflammatory. People don't think about that. And then, so basically, it's minimizing meat, dairy, tropical oils like coconut oil, the palm kernel oil, all these kind of junk food oils, and as well as salt. I mean, one kind of lousy breakfast can double your C-reactive protein levels within four hours before it's even time for lunch. And then the anti-inflammatory foods on the other side of the kind of balance sheet, legumes, which are the beans, flippies, chickpeas, lentils, berries, greens. Sodium-free tomato juice or sodium-free tomato paste, these processed tomato products without added salt, turmeric, ginger, flax seeds, garlic, cinnamon, cocoa powder, dill, beverages, chamomile tea, green tea, as well as kind of anything basically that contains fiber. So fiber-rich foods, anthocyanin-rich foods, those are those, those brilliant kind of purple berry-like pigments also found in like red cabbage or purple sweet potatoes as well as salicylic acid-rich foods, which is the kind of component, the anti-inflammatory component of aspirin, not just found in willow tree bark, actually found throughout the plant kingdom, most concentrated in actually cumin, the spiced cumin, but found in a whole bunch of plant foods, and that also has an anti-inflammatory effect. Yeah, and I, and I think one of the cool things here is if you if you begin to eat less inflammatory foods, 
other good things are going to start happening for you. Like your joints aren't going to hurt as bad. You're going to have more energy because your body is actually allowed to use that energy for you to do the things you want to do versus trying to heal because that's what the inflammation is is there for. And so just eating an anti-inflammatory diet actually has this these really quick turnarounds for you to feel better, look better, and move better. Now, you hit on one, and as soon as I saw this written out, I was like, okay, now now we're going to spar. We're going to spar a little bit because I, I kind of like having a little bit extra muscle on my body. And so there's this concept called mTOR, mm. and it's complex. It's a, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's a very complex set of rules, but it's basically how we build muscle with mTOR. And so, but, and there's, so there's a, there's a little disconnect in my head I got to get through is being more, having more muscle mass and being stronger, particularly as measured in grip strength has been shown to help with your mortality. However, having too much mTOR, which is part of the process for getting protein to turn into muscle can also be problematic. Can you dive a little bit into mTOR and help me put that together? Yeah, no, absolutely. So mTOR is an enzyme recognized as a major driving of driver of aging, perhaps more so than any other single anti-aging strategy. mTOR inhibition, suppression, disrupts a panoply of degenerative processes, explaining why the mTOR-blocking drug rapamycin is the most effective drug ever devised for targeted aging. No other drug's been able to show. It works in every single species, even starting in middle age. But the problem is the drug has some downsides. So then we turn to non-pharmacological approaches. How are we going to slow this kind of a pacemaker of aging enzyme? And we do that through the restriction of certain amino acids, such as methionine and leucine. And how do we restrict those? Well, you can do full dietary restriction and you just, you're going to decrease your amino acid intake or eat the same number of calories, but just reduce overall protein intake and that'll cut down. Or you can keep the protein intake the same, but just switch from animal sources to plant sources, most of which tend to be lower in methionine and the branch chain amino acids like leucine. And there's kind of a, a, a yin-yang with AMPK. So anything that boosts AMPK can drop mTOR like the barberries and the vinegar and all the stuff I go through in the AMPK chapter. And then it's really about re reducing one's protein intake down to recommended levels, which is 0.8 grams per healthy kilogram body weight, which translates to about 45 grams a day for the average height woman, 55 grams for the average height man and then choosing plant-based sources whenever possible. Now, as you noted, mTOR plays a role in muscle protein synthesis. So the question is, well, wait a second, do we have this kind of you know balancing act between aging and muscle mass? Thankfully, no. All we need is sufficient levels of mTOR activity to build muscle mass without uh, excess levels. How do we do that? Again, recommended dietary protein intake. Over age 65, there's actually no benefit from adding protein in terms of muscle mass, muscle strength, or muscle performance. How are we going to maintain muscle mass into old age? One way and one way only. Well, there's actually a bunch of things that contribute, but the most important one is resistance training, right? Strength training. That is how we're going to keep our muscles, particularly if you're doing something like caloric restriction or something, critically important to maintain muscle mass. And we do that through exertion, putting strain on our muscles. And then adding extra protein in older age does not 
add that add extra muscle mass. That's whether you're sarcopenic, you have excessive muscle mass, whether you're frail, et cetera, excess protein does not help at those ages. Now, one of the other ones I wanted to get into is oxidation. And, and the reason I want to talk about this is there are billionaires walking this planet right now that are selling antioxidants. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, if I take an antioxidant, then I'm going to, I'm going to be cool. Right. And, and I don't think that's quite the answer. Can we talk about oxidation and why some of these uh, seemingly good things aren't necessarily doing what they're supposed to? Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the most interesting chapters to write in terms of that kind of nerdy part one section about the 11, 11 aging pathways. So oxidation, so there's this mitochondrial theory of aging, which is kind of standard, stood the test of time in terms of the dozens of aging theories out there. It explains basically the spread, why some animals live so much longer, in fact, a thousand times longer than others. The animals with the lowest rate of free radical production within their mitochondria, the little power plants within their cell, live the longest, full stop. So we can slow the pace of aging by slowing the rate of this free radical production in our mitochondria. And there's really only two ways we can do that. Antioxidants don't work because it's actually the damage to our mitochondrial DNA happens so quickly, so close to the source of free radical production. Antioxidants just can't penetrate in time. But there's two things we can reduce. One is exercise. Again, nailing critical factor of exercise. And number two is methionine restriction, cutting down on the amino acid methionine by eating healthier. Also in terms of, so that's just for in terms of longevity. However, oxidation does play a role in our health span as well. And then, and for that, we can cut down on peroxidant foods, boost our antioxidant rich foods, kind of similar to the inflammation story, and actually kind of similar foods, right? The pro-accident foods are the ones rich in cholesterol, salt, saturated fat, and sugar, where the antioxidant foods are, you know, the ones, uh, you know, berries, spices, as well as something called NERF-2 activation, which is kind of our first line of, of antioxidant defense. On the second line is this kind of symphony of antioxidants we can kind of take from from plant foods and and kind of hijack them from our own needs. But our first level of defense is really our antioxidant enzymes that can detoxify free radicals. And we can boost those through uh, something called NRF2 activation. And uh, the two ways to do that, one is green tea and one is cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, collard greens. And so uh, to slow the staging pathway, exercise, restricting methionine, where you can do that through uh, protein restriction, activating NRF2, eating green and drinking green. So <laughs> eating your kale, drinking green tea, and then eating berries and other naturally vibrantly colored foods because the colors are actually the antioxidants. Herbs and spices like the cinnamon, cloves, garlic, ginger, marjoram, packed with antioxidants. And then, you know, cutting down on added salt, sugar, saturated fat, and cholesterol-laden foods. Well, and, and all those you talked about, they, they make the food exciting and fun and taste good. So win, win, win. And the exercise, of course, you've got my vote there because it does just a lot more. You know, just just you feel better, you're stronger, you're faster, you you just you built up a body that's capable of doing the things that you want to do. Now I'm going to dive into a few foods that some people will avoid for various reasons that they don't necessarily have to, but it, they at times avoid them. Uh, that 
are really actually, I mean, we, we, we can talk about superfoods, but I actually don't even want to use that title because it's been so overused and, and falsely so in many, many cases. But some of these foods actually are, in a sense, exactly what our body needs, mm. but a lot of people don't eat enough of them. So the first one I want to talk about is beans. What makes beans special? <laughs> ah, beans. These are that's the centerpiece of uh, of the of all blue zones diets. So these areas around the world with exceptional longevity, as their chief source of protein, have some source of legumes, which are not just beans, but also split peas, chickpeas, lentils. And so, if you're if you're talking about like what are the kind of healthiest foods to eat, according to the Global Burden of Disease Study, which is the largest study of risk factors in human history for death and disease, the greatest lifespan extension would be achieved by eating more legumes. So that's what they calculate. Of all the different food groups, eating more beans is like, if there's one thing we can do to live longer in terms of our diet, it'd be eating more beans. And so, though that's on a on a kind of per serving basis, but actually on a gram for gram basis, the food most associated with longevity is actually nuts. And so, I also recommend like a palmful of of uh, walnuts a day. One of my kind of anti aging eight foods, but uh, yeah, definitely legumes. There's a reason why they associated. Like, if there's one question you had to ask in populations around the world in terms of assessing dietary quality is how many legumes people eat is the number one dietary predictor of survival in populations around the globe. Yeah. Now, you, t- you talked about nuts, and I think this is an, another another area that people are kind of afraid because they hear, okay, nuts have a lot of calories and, you know, an almond, 16 calories or what, whatever. And so they thought that there's a, a calorie load to nuts. And therefore, you know, they'd be maybe better off eating something else. But there's a lot to be said for the nutrition, particularly the fats that we can get from nuts. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, a gram for gram basis compared to any other food on planet Earth, consumption of nuts is associated with the longest lifespan. And you can get the maximum benefit for just that palm full, half of ounce of nuts a day half to a full ounce maximum benefit. You don't seem to get more benefit eating more. In fact, you don't want to overdo it. Over a cup of nuts a day, you can actually get too many oxalates. Peanut butter does not appear to have the same benefit. I'm technically not even a nut. And of all the nuts, probably walnuts are the healthiest. So yeah, kind of a palm full of walnuts every day is uh, the way to go. Improving uh, artery function, probably the primary cause. For example, in the PrediMed study, those randomized to boost their intake of nuts had uh, about half the stroke rate. And so you can think of that the other way, not eating nuts kind of doubles your risk of stroke. So the cardiovascular protection from nuts is probably what is uh, resulting in most of the longevity benefit. Yeah. Now, another nut that you don't necessarily want to overeat, but is okay to have you know regularly is Brazil nuts. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, even one high selenium Brazil nut is actually too much, one a day, a single nut a day in terms of inflammation. So yeah, that's something you really want to moderate because you can actually get uh, selenosis, you actually get the kind of selenium toxicity. It's known as the, selenium is known as the essential poison because it is actually essential trace mineral, but you can actually get too much of it. And most concentrated dietary source is Brazil nuts. So yeah, I would really hold back. I mean, in How Not to Die, I talk about the study showing that four Brazil nuts once a month actually dramatically lowers cholesterol levels. But unfortunately, people read that to be, oh, four Brazil nuts a day. 
No, <laughs> you can actually get a selenium <laughs> toxicity. And and even though I emphasize this, this is once a month. One, like pay, <laughs> pick a day of the month, your favorite day of the month, and like okay, on the thirteenth of every single month, I'm going to eat four Brazilians. Period. That's it. <laughs> Unfortunately, people did not listen. I actually, ran into people who ran, got problems who started getting like peripheral neuropathy, started get, losing you know sensation and got tingling in their feet because they're getting too much selenium because they're eating too many Brazilians. So yeah, you want to. <laughs> You want to, you know, the, the sad, the sad part is, a dose. the sad part is Brazil nuts are my favorite nut, oh, um, no! but <laughs> that said, that said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I buy them in the shell. Oh, ha! so I have to go through the trouble That's actually cracking that shell. It's not Those easy. Those are some hardcore shells. <laughs> oh my God. You, you want buy grip them, strength. You, yeah. I got your grip strength yes, right there. Exactly. But if you buy them, if you buy them in a bag shelled, it's, it's just so easy to do oh, yeah, like yeah, you do yeah, with everything just, else. Yeah, yeah. And just, so that's actually a good up. idea that, 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 yeah, no, that's a good idea. We shall be like sitting by the fire with the nutcracker and, you know, just digging out little pieces. Of, yeah, yeah. Great. If you, if you can't crack it, then uh, go do some uh, exercise and come back when there you can. Go. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Those are hardcore. Yeah. All right. And then actually my favorite, besides cruciferous vegetables, I probably eat, I eat cruciferous vegetables every day, but leafy greens are oh. my next favorite. That's why I was saying the, the big ass salad. So let's talk a little bit about leafy greens and, and what they're doing for us. Yeah. So dark green leafies earn their place in the anti-aging aid as the vegetable most associated with longer lifespan. So cruciferous vegetables, which certainly can be green leafy, but not necessarily something like cauliflower is also cruciferous. They boost the first line of our gut defenses, as well as boosting detoxifying enzymes lining our airways to help reduce our risk from air pollution. It's actually a leading killer of humanity. So particularly if you're in a city, live by a highway or something, cruciferous vegetables will help you deal with that kind of diesel exhaust. The longevity benefit, though, actually may come from the nitrate, the metabolic slowing that comes from nitrate consumption. We typically, particularly athletes, think of like beet juice for nitrates, but actually the most concentrated source, dark green leafy vegetables, also beets, beet greens. And those nitrates actually slow down your resting metabolic rate, something you typically only see with something like severe caloric restriction. But instead of walking around, uh, you know, starving all the time, big ass salad to the rescue. They can also improve age-related declines in muscle mass, age-related declines in artery function. So you give people like a cup of, you know, cooked spinach worth of nitrates, you get a significant improvement in uh, maximum power from the quads. I mean, you can bulk up on muscle mass, just eating spinach. And we think it's because of, we think it's because of the nitrates. Although it's interesting, the, <laughs> the, the magic of nitrates require these, the presence of certain good bacteria on your tongue to actually activate the nitrates. Otherwise they don't work. And that's actually, those bugs are killed by antiseptic mouthwash. So you don't want to use an antiseptic mouthwash or an alcohol-containing mouthwash. And you can actually foster the growth of those good bugs by tongue scraping and regularly eating those nitrate-rich vegetables which act as a prebiotic and keep them going. So, so you, that anti-aging strategy only works if you got the right bacteria on your tongue. And probably all the way through your system, because you know we're we're we are actually just one big biosystem of a, a lot of things, not we just are. Us. most of our cells are not human. <laughs> exactly. Now, sometimes I get really really mad about how, for lack of a better word, our government <laughs> gets in the way of us living healthy lives, and and one of the ways that I that you kind of detailed in the book 
is this this kind of weird it's this weird thing the way they do things and so what it is is you think about the amount the volume of food that you eat so it's this big volume of food that we eat during a day if you think about it and then we're going to focus on one or two pills that are going to change our life for us and not focus on all that food we ate the medical system doesn't train it it doesn't it's not followed it actually doesn't make them any money so they don't care to know about it or teach about it or talk about it you're just told you know eat better and move more and you're good but we're not we're not healthy right now as as a society and one of them that came up was supplements because if you hear something's good and it's like well you know i don't really like that food or i don't have access to that food readily it's not easy cuz I, I got to cook it <laughs> go figure is that the the dietary supplements that we want to take to help improve our health and i actually had someone i was talking to in this field and he and i were talking back and forth he says, he says we should get together someday and and talk about our medicine cabinet and what supplements we each take and i said well i take one <laughs> and i said it's it's some zinc and magno magnesium that i take before i go to bed just because it helps me sleep better mm. that's the supplement that's the one and i live in a sunny area so i get plenty of vitamin d if you're right. not in a sunny area or certain times of the year, you might need a supplement on that. If you are, you know, eating predominantly vegan or vegetarian, you might need B2, but you can do blood tests to know that Control, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, right. The problem is that we have this industry that might not even be putting that stuff in the pill yeah. <laughs> that we're taking. And and the the law that actually made this happen, you told me about it in the book, yeah. was yeah. the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act. That came out in 1994. 1994. And I, you know, again, I want to go punch someone in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, it's very powerful. I mean, it's a supplement industry, it's a very powerful industry. And people think of like big pharma, but actually, big pharma owns many of the biggest supplement industries. So it actually is big pharma. And they got a law passed thanks to kind of duping people. And it'd be like, government is coming for your vitamin C. So we got to pass this law. And, uh, and, you know, they, uh, so people have this incorrect belief that supplements must be approved for safety by some government agency like the FDA or something before they're sold to the public, or at the very least, you know, must have like a warning if there's some kind of side effects or something. And, and some even believe that supplements actually have to be shown to be effective. So at some level, none of that is true. Thanks to that law. So what that law did it, it, is it removed the burden of proof for quality control, basic quality control, safety, efficacy from the supplement manufacturer. So all of a sudden, I mean, it was great for the supplement industry. They went from a $4 billion industry to like a $40 billion industry. It used to only be a few thousand products on the market. Now there's tens of thousands of products on the market, just absolutely skyrocketing. But we, we don't have those standards. So you get some over-the-counter you know, medication, for example, you like buy some Tylenol or something, it actually must meet standards for safety, efficacy, quality control, meaning if it says it has this many milligrams, it has to have this many milligrams, right? But dietary supplements, all dietary supplements are exempt. So it doesn't have to contain what it says on the label. At all. It doesn't have to contain any of it. It contains something, contaminants that aren't listed on the label. Like I mean, houseplants, houseplants, houseplants. Come on. <laughs> 
that well, right. So they actually, and this is right. This is not some just like seamy shady internet thing. They went into GNC, Walmart. This was the New York uh, Attorney General. I mean, just like mainstream, you know, supplement. And they just tested, well, what's actually in these things? And right. So that was one of the things that came out was just like houseplants, just powdered houseplants, so like well, the cheapest possible filler they could think of and had nothing of the so-called active ingredient. And But then I talk about how, look, we hope it's just houseplants because there's some really toxic contaminants, particularly in like kind of erectile dysfunction and weight loss supplements often contain kind of these illicit hormones, things that have been banned for good reason, but just keep popping up on the shelves just because things are so poorly kind of enforced. And so now we have about, uh, estimates about 50,000 Americans every year are harmed by dietary supplements, usually kidney and liver damage. Now, look, I mean, you could say, look, big pharma doesn't just harm, but kills over 100,000 people side effects of drugs. Absolutely true. So we absolutely have to make sure the pros outweigh the cause. Unfortunately, we can't do that with dietary supplements. And so, look, if you really, if there is some supplement that, you know, you really want to make sure is what it actually is, there is a, a certification pathway, something called USP certification. Let's have a little USP seal. Now that doesn't say it's good for you or it isn't bad for you, but it just verifies that what says on the label is actually what is in the capsule. So you're actually getting what you're paying for. One of the supplements that I've been using on the road for jet lag, because I travel a lot, is melatonin. The problem is there's all these contaminants found in typical melatonin supplements. So I actually go through a Canadian pharmacy, which isn't exactly legal, but very easy to do. We won't tell. <laughs> and, and, and so in Canada and in Europe, melatonin is sold kind of like prescription only. So it's actually has to rise to all those standards, actually has to have what it says it has and not have contaminants in it. And so you can get kind of a prescription only melatonin. Any doctor should write you a prescription, but you have to get it from one of those places. Um, but then at least you can get some contaminant free. So there's kind of a ways around it, but it's just so sad that, you know, that the snake oil is still being sold and sometimes doesn't even have any snake in it at all. Right. But <laughs> there's real food. And in most of this, what a concept. not all of it, you can typically get uh, from Whole Food. Oh, you, you, you're you a radical. I tell you, man, <laughs> look at this guy. Wait a second. You mean we as a species survived before there were pill bottles sitting on the shelf? Yeah, right? yeah, there's, yeah, there's no witch doctor giving me a prescription for- How did we make it millions for... <laughs> of years without, our, uh, without all our supplements? Yeah, so, so, you know, if you feel like you need something, I mean, there are times you're going to need some vitamin D. And you're, you know, if you live in yeah, northern yeah, no, climate, look, pregnant and, women need to get yeah. folic acid. If you're an alcoholic, if there, I mean, there's, there's certainly scenarios in which supplementation with nutrients is useful, but you know, buyer beware. Uh, they're, they're, they're <laughs> buyer beware. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. All right, Dr. Gregor. Okay, I, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well? Uh, well, you know, according to the Global Burden Disease Study, again, largest study of disease risk factors in the world, funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, number one cause of death in these United States is the American diet. Bumping tobacco smoking to number two, cigarettes not only kill about a half million Americans every year, whereas our diet kills many more. So, like, the single most important decision we make three times a day is kind of what to put to the end of our fork. And so, like, if there was just, like, the absolute simplest things, it'd be like, if you could just add three foods to your diet, 
and just remove three things from your diet. The three things I would add right off the bat, beans, greens, berries, and the three things I would remove first before anything else are the trans fats, these partially hydrogenated oils, processed meats like the bacon, ham, hot dogs, lunch meats, which cause colorectal cancer. And then number three would be liquid candy, you know, the soda, sugar, sweetened beverages. If we just get rid of those three, add the other three, you'd be a long way there. I mean, I really want to emphasize, yes, I get way into the weeds in this book, but it's simple, basic, common sense lifestyle factors can literally mean the difference of an extra decade to your life or not. And what are we talking about? Regular exercise, not being obese, not smoking, eating more fruits and vegetables. Like they're basic, basic, basics. Already right there, you got a decade, a whole extra healthy decade. Now you want to tweak stuff. You want to push that a little farther. Fine. I got a book. You can, you know, you can go, but let's, I, I, it's important. And that's how I conclude the book is like, okay, let's take a step back. People don't get, don't get overwhelmed. Some really simple, important, basic stuff to nail first before worrying about all this other stuff. Yeah. And and not only are you going to add a decade, it's going to be a better decade. Exactly. Doctor, thank you so much for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness. If someone wanted to learn more about you and learn more about your book, How Not to Age, where would you like for me to send them? Send them to nutritionfacts.org, where all my work is free. And you can go to local public library, get the, the new book, which is out now, or your favorite bookseller. I don't get a penny from any of my books. All proceeds from the sales of all my books are all donated directly to charity. I just want you and your loved ones to enjoy the longest, healthiest life. Thank you, doctor. And thank you for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness. Keep up the good work. Welcome back, Raz. Hey, Ellen. There's a lot to unpack there. But first, I've got the 60 minutes of exercise. I drink a ton of coffee and I love nuts. It's my favorite snack. So I'm basically immortal. Yes. <laughs> I'm kid. At least today. Um, while we're on this yes, call, I hope. That's uh, right. <laughs> nobody yep. needs to see that. Uh, but, but no, you know, I think the point being is that, you know, science can be very misleading if it mm -hmm. has a bias. And, and you can't look at anything and not have a bias. It's, it's right. built into the way your brain works. Mm -hmm. You know, if at some point someone told you that milk was bad, you're going to have a hard time reading oh, studies yeah. where it says milk is the best thing for you. <laughs> uh, it's a struggle. Right. And, and so there are individuals, uh, you know, that have read something in the past and it's, that's just drilled into them. It's stuck. And yeah. it's stuck. And so this mm -hmm. is, you know, this is a book where... Because what he does over at his his website, nutritionfacts.org, is he does these quick little videos and he mm -hmm. pulls up a study or he pulls up a concept and he says, okay, so is red wine healthy for us? And he goes out and looks at all the studies. Mm -hmm. And some of it he sees, it's like, okay, well, this was a rat study. I'm not a rat. Uh, right. Although some things we <laughs> learn from rats are applicable, but not all. And so he says, okay. And then what you realize is, okay, the amount of wine that you would have to drink to have the same dose as this rat is 100 glasses of wine each night. Oh, dear. Um, probably not going to happen. <laughs> not good for you at that point. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so there's those little bits. And so now what's happening is you have a, a supplement company that's selling a supplement that, you know, they say this is equivalent of drinking 100 
glasses of wine without the alcohol or all the delirious effects of having that much alcohol. And it might not even have that in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And now studies, if they're doing a study, they they do a little bit of quality assurance to make sure, okay, if I'm giving someone, you know, turmeric or cum, cumin or something like that, I want to know what's mm-hmm. in there. And so they do some work there, but supplements you might buy on the market may not be the same thing that you're seeing in that study because it's not sourced the same way. Mm-hmm. And that's why he was saying, you know, he sources some supplements outside the United States because he trusts the compounder putting it together. But most of us, that's outside the realm of what we're capable of doing, you know, contracting with someone outside the United States <laughs> to prepare a supplement right. for you. For most of us, that's, that's, we're just not going to do that. But he has a lot in this book about things that will age you. And so at the beginning of the book, he starts out with the 11 pathways of aging and he goes through those. And we talked a good bit about each one. And then in the end, he sort of did go through and say, what's, what are the eight things, you know, that are practical, applicable. Yes. And and I think he was kind of excited that when we got into the book I and mean, got into this conversation is that's where I tried to take the whole thing. I mean, you have to, mm-hmm. you have to do a little bit of the work to understand, okay, when he's talking about AMPK or autophagy or mTOR mm-hmm. or oxidation, because when you're talking about these other foods and other things, these are the pathways that they affect. And in some cases, more than one, because there's overlaps mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and understanding how that works. Well, kind of help you put this all together. And and the basis of pretty much the whole book is if you're eating processed food, you're aging faster than the rest of us. That's a good point. Yep. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> you know, and, and there's no, there's no if, ands or buts. It can say healthy on the label. It's aging you faster. It just yeah. is. Well, we absorb our nutrients better from the actual food itself and not all these fortified items in boxes and but but even even if we didn't even if we didn't it's just the fact that it it it, there's a a way that nutrition works on the way that mm -hmm. we were adapted as animals Mm -hmm. through evolution and it's it's literally we were not sitting there just eating one food all year round we were eating Mm -hmm. a large variety of different foods because hard to fill up on blueberries. You're still going to eat as many blueberries as you want, but you're going <laughs> right? to want other foods. And if they're available, you're going to eat them. Um, well, that's the thing is about eating a diverse, you know, all the colors of the foods, like they say, all the, you know, leafy greens, you, you talked about big ass salads, which I'm sure yeah. is more than just spinach and lettuce. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, throw it all in there and, and just eat something different and unique every day as best you can to make sure that you're getting all these different nutrients. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really what it comes down to is feeding your body, good food, good Mm -hmm. movement, good Mm -hmm. rest, good sleep, good stress management. When you're doing these things, your body has these ways of protecting you, of healing you. And Mm -hmm. those things, all the things being healthy helps you Mm -hmm. live longer. Go Mm -hmm. figure. Um, (laughs) You know, and some of the stuff, when you look at the science, it's like, oh, well, actually, this is worse for you than what I thought the worst thing was. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean go do the second worst thing. Uh, <laughs> it just means that pay attention. You know, you can sit there and say, oh, well, you know, so what? I eat eight McDonald's every day. It's like, mm-hmm. well, someone smokes, someone smokes two packs of cigarettes every day. So yeah. what? You're like, oh, that's yeah. terrible. Like, 
Well, <laughs> yeah, I you suppose. <laughs> uh, well, of course, McDonald's wants me to live. No, they want you to eat more McDonald's. They don't mm-hmm. really care. They want you to eat more McDonald's, and that's that's their sole job. How can I get you to eat more? And mm-hmm. that's what they do. They're not trying to kill you, but they're not trying to keep you alive either. Yeah. That's not well, their job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Just like we talk about all the time, eating a wide variety of different foods, getting a number of different types of movement of exercise throughout the, the week, and just doing all the things that is important to um, maintaining our good health and fitness. Yeah. Uh, again, treat your, treat your body well, and it'll treat you well. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, I will talk to you next week. Great. Take care, Ellen. You too. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we discuss how to design your perfect repeatable week. Until then, have a happy and healthy week.